just by way of reminder, there'll be plenty of opportunity to help with the cleanup after. So there is that. It is. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. I'm glad you're here. The Lord is glad you're here. And if you are one of our guests, stick around to services for our bash. If you would, grab your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9. We've been working our way through the book of Ephesians. We're going to hit pause on that. We're almost halfway through the book. But in light of our back-to-school, back-to-church bash today, I want to share some thoughts from the book of Proverbs. And I actually want us to read all of Proverbs chapter 9. Hear now the word of the true and living God. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who, rebukes, uh, who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in, in learning. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Let us pray. Unto the only wise God, we pray that you would generously bestow your wisdom upon us. And that through your word we would be wiser still. Pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. There are two and only two paths in this life. It's kind of like a two-lane road. You got one lane going, one lane coming. Two-lane road. And so long as you stay in your lane, things are going to go well for you. But it's when you start 
to swerve and when you start to veer out of your lane into the lane of oncoming traffic, that's when disaster can strike. God's Word gives us a lane to stay in. Here, it is depicted as a a way, a lane of wisdom. And so long as you stay in God's lane, when you do the things that He says to do, well, things will go well with you. You will prosper. There is life in that path. But when you veer off of His path, you want to do things your way, That's when you discover yourself on the bad way. And in that way, there is death. God is calling us through His Word to walk in the way of wisdom. Essentially, to choose life. Well, how does our choice of paths affect us in this life? And in Proverbs chapter 9, we're going to use this as our our launching point, the ways of wisdom and folly are set before us poetically. The two ways of wisdom and folly are here in Proverbs chapter 9. This is, by the way, typical for wisdom literature. Wisdom literature will, also, will, will often present two lanes, two ways, two paths. And the two ways, the two paths are often set before the reader in order to, to compare and contrast. You see this, for example, at the very beginning of the book of Psalms, Psalm 1 has two ways. You have the way, the blessed way that God would have you to walk in, but then there's also the way of the scoffer, the way of the sinner. Uh, So righteousness and sin, those two paths are set there, the good way, the bad way. And the call is always, in wisdom literature, avoid the bad way and walk in the good way. Immediately, this has relevance for contemporary religious thinking. The thinking that many people have today, one of the things that you'll often hear uh, in the world is that, uh, well, you know, we're all on different paths that are, they're all roads that are leading up to God. The, the way to God is kind of like a mountain, God's at the top of the mountain, and all the different roads and, and all the different even religious roads in this life, they're all leading up the, the same way to God. According to the sages of the ages, that simply is not the case. No, they don't. There is one way, which is God's way, that leads to Him. All other ways are actually a part of the same way, the bad way. And so, there's a good path. And in Proverbs here, King Solomon, the wisest man to ever walk the planet except for Jesus, so he's the second, uh, Solomon is. He is speaking to his sons, and he is inviting them to walk in the good way. And in fact, he is setting up the rest of the book of Proverbs from chapter 10 onward. And the the Proverbs are these very short, very concise moral maxims that speak a general truth about life. They're true, generally speaking, and and that will uh, become more evident the deeper we get into uh, this lesson this morning. But Solomon, he takes the first nine chapters of his book in order to set the table. 
And he's already done this uh, with, uh, there's, there's two kinds of women in the world, son. Two kinds of women. There is the forbidden woman. Who's that? That is any woman who is not your wife. She's to be avoided. She's not yours, you see. But then there's the other woman, which is the wife of your youth. And she is a good gift from God, son. You are to enjoy her. That was back in chapter 5. Here in chapter 9, again, Solomon is concluding this first major section of the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9. And he is summarizing the first eight chapters in chapter 9 here. And he once again circles back to two ways. There's the way of wisdom, the way of folly. And in fact, wisdom and folly are now personified as women. There's the woman wisdom, and there's the woman folly. And they are both beckoning to Solomon's son. They're both calling out to him, seducing him even to follow after her. Of course, the question, well, why women, right? All this male-centric stuff. Well, I assume if Solomon were talking to his daughters, he might talk about the, the man wisdom and the man folly. And maybe back in chapter 5, there'd be the forbidden man who is any dude who isn't your husband. But then there's the husband of your youth, and that, he's a good gift from God. Enjoy him. right? It's because of who Solomon is talking to, that wisdom and personified in the way that they are. He's speaking to his sons, and he's saying, look, wisdom and folly, they both want you. Who are you going to listen to? Whose voice will you listen to? Will Sons, will you be wise or will you be foolish? And so you have the contrast between the two ways, and, and they're set before uh, Solomon's sons and even set before us today. There's the way of wisdom, there's the way of folly. Go back here, verses uh, 1 through 6, you have the woman wisdom presenting the way of wisdom. And then in verses 13 through 18, you have the woman folly presenting the way of folly. And if you set these kind of side by side, several things stand out that are very interesting. Number one, back in verse one, wisdom has built her house. Wisdom builds her house. But when you come to folly, there's no mention of any building, no, uh, she does have a house, she has a door to her house. It's very interesting, no building. Later on, when you actually get to one of those short little concise uh, maxims later on, it'll talk about how uh, the, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish woman actually tears her house apart with her own hands, which makes this very curious that the woman wisdom has built her house. Also, she has hewn her seven pillars, and there's all kinds of ideas about what was seven, seven pillars, what, what does this stand for? Seven is a, a, a number of completion, and so this may be that uh, her house, is, it's a solid house. It's, it's going to withstand bad weather. It's going to withstand storm and those sorts of things. It's, it's, all, it's put together. It's a solid structure. Meanwhile, again, the woman Folly, she's not building anything. In fact, we find out later, foolishness tears down a house. And so while she has a house, we can maybe think of it as maybe a shack. Maybe it's run down and dilapidated. Hmm. 
we find that the woman wisdom, she has prepared this banquet. Uh, she slaughtered her beast, mixed her wine, she set a table. Uh, everything's prepared. The idea here is it's her food. It's, she says, look, come and eat my bread, right? It, it's hers. She purchased it. She got it through legal means. Meanwhile, what was that message of the woman folly? She said there in verse 17, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. The idea, maybe, ooh, the, the woman folly, she's gone out, she's stolen this stuff. And she's enticing the son to do likewise. Thievery and, and stealing. And, and also because, um, verse 18, he does not know the dead are there, the dead are at the woman folly's house. Maybe that, food, that stolen food is poisoned as well. Hmm. The woman, wisdom, she sends these young women out. Emissaries are sent out in order to, to call whoever is simple to come to her house. Meanwhile, the woman folly, verse 14, she sits at the door of her house. She's just sitting there and she's a hollering out, hey, come on in. In fact, that's a, a, another contrast here. The woman, wisdom, she's very busy. She's very active here and there and sending and preparing and all these things. Woman Folly just sits there very passive, not really doing anything, just a hollering out, come on in. Of course, the most significant contrast is verse 6 compared with verse 18. Leave your simple ways and live. There's life with the woman wisdom. There's life in her way. Meanwhile, with the woman Folly is only death. Her guests are in the depths of Sheol, Sheol, the realm of disembodied spirits. That's where you go when you die. Life and death set forward here. It's very interesting that there's a, a connection to, uh, between chapter 9 and chapter 1 of, verse four, uh, of chapter 14. Excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 14. Proverbs 14 and verse 1, and this is what I've uh, alluded to already. The wisest of women builds her house. See the connection here. Back in chapter 9 and verse 1 about wisdom building her house. But folly with her own hands tears it down. So there are these connections back to chapter 9, which I think is very interesting because of some of the things that are mentioned here in a couple of these verses, verse 8 and verse 15, which I want to draw our attention to, to notice the very serious effects of foolishness upon an individual, but then also the blessings that come with wisdom. And, and draw this out just a bit further. You see, the, the serious effects of foolishness upon a person is that it, foolishness opens you up to all kinds of deception and danger. Notice 14, verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern, just keep that in your mind there for a moment. We'll come back to it. It's to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. The foolishness of the simple one leaves you open for all kinds of deception. It leaves you open for tricks in this life. Uh, it, it, other people may trick you. You may even lie to yourself. Self-deception is a very real thing. And foolishness leaves you open to that. You you're being lied to, you're lying to yourself, and you believe it. The foolishness of fools, the folly of fools is deceiving. Not only that, this is coupled with verse 15. The simple believes everything. 
Again, that's, that's a connection you're supposed to make between verse 8 and verse 15. The folly of fools is deceiving. The simple believes everything. You just, you're gullible. You're open to all kinds of uh, things. Uh, uh, and, and it was true then, it's true today, that, that people believe all kinds of things. You know, we can talk about all kinds of uh, theories that, that folks have today. And, and since wisdom, kind of like then, is so scarce, again, people just they believe all kinds of things. What kind of things? Well, many people believe that everything we see around us came from nothing. Something we talked about uh, a few months ago. People will believe that we are the product of millions of years of random purposeless chance, that there is no God, that we are just material machines, we have no soul, all there is is this life, we are sacks of mostly water just fizzing away according to the biochemical reactions that take place in our brain, and that's it. Many people believe that. The word, the biblical word for all that is foolishness. Make a connection here to Proverbs 22 and verse 3. Proverbs 22, 3 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The simple go on, they rush into the danger. It's a very real danger that faces them. It's a very real danger today to tell children, to tell students that uh, all the things that, that we've just evaluated, that, that you're merely the product of random purposeless chance and that there is no God, that all has very real consequences when you begin to disconnect children and young people from their loving Creator. It brings with it physical danger. Is it any wonder that we see an uptick in suicide and self-harm among young people? We see them visit violence upon one another. They lack motivation. They have no hope. But there's also, again, very real spiritual danger as well. You see, when there's no faith in the God who made them, all that they face is eternity away from Him. Very real danger. Which is why we must be wise and avoid the foolishness of folly. You see, wisdom brings with it many blessings. Start over back in chapter 14 and verse 8. We read it. The, wis- the, the, prudent, excuse me, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his ways. Discernment is a blessing that comes to the wise person. That's who the prudent person is, is the wise person. Discernment or understanding. Understanding about uh, your way, the, his way, or her way. There's insight, that there's more than meets the eye. Insight beneath the surface of things so that you can identify the false from the true, the false path from the true path. Distinguish it. Identify the good way and choose the good way. Discernment is a blessing that wisdom brings with it. Also, go back to verse 15. We read the first part of it, the symbol believes everything. The rest of the verse, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Thoughtfulness is a blessing that comes with wisdom. By the way, gives thought here is the same word that's used back in verse 8 for discern. Discernment and thoughtfulness, they go together. Hand in hand, hand in glove, indeed, they are uh, connected. They are the same thing. But did you also notice Verse 15 goes a step further. The prudent gives thought to his steps. 
you see, you discern the way, you discern the path, and, and distinguish between the good path and the bad path. But then also, now you're actually giving thought to the very steps as you walk on that path. Each step is thoughtfully taken. How does this show up? Maybe, maybe you think carefully about, how am I going to deal with this difficult person in my life? Could be a, a co-worker, could be an employer, could be a neighbor, could be a teacher. If you're a teacher, it could be a student, right? How, how do I deal with this? And, and then you take in all the advice that others can give you because with many advisors, plans succeed, we're told in the Proverbs. And so you take in all this advice and, and sometimes you get good advice, sometimes you get bad advice. But wisdom enables you to differentiate between the good advice and the bad advice. Well, you know, hey, hey, if they're upset, you just got to do you. Really? Is that, is that the best advice? Just do you? Seems like me doing me is how I got into this situation in the first place. Thoughtfulness, to think through and evaluate all these things. And then go back to 22 and verse 3. We saw that the simple, they go into the danger. They rush headlong into it. They suffer for it. But how did that verse begin? 22 verse 3, the prudent sees danger. The wise person sees it, sees it coming. They can evaluate and they can see, oh, uh, mm, don't know about that. That looks dangerous. And he hides himself. The idea here, again, given what this is, is wisdom literature, um, they see the trouble. Uh, in fact, the word here for danger could also be translated. They see, they see evil coming. Um, kind of like CCR saying, right? I, I see a bad moon rising, right? Um, I, I see what's coming. I see there's some trouble, some evil in the way. I'm going to hide myself. I'm going to hide myself even in God. I'm going to trust in Him. He, uh, God is depicted uh, as uh, the one who encircles us with his wings to protect us from uh, bad things. And so we flee to him, we rush to him. Whenever trouble threatens, he is our refuge. It may even be, by the way, that the trouble that is seen that's coming is God's judgment for something bad. So instead of doing the bad thing and incurring God's judgment, I'm going to hide myself in him. I'm going to trust in him for all things. And so what happens is the fires of foolish behavior are not played with, and as a result, reputation, character, not scorched. Come with me back to chapter 9, where we started here in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9, a couple of other blessings that come with wisdom, not just discernment, thoughtfulness, avoiding danger, but also, Proverbs 9, verse 9, give instruction to a wise man, he'll be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. In other words, you'll, there'll be increased wisdom. Wisdom begets wisdom. More wisdom, more learning, and that helps you navigate the ways of life in an even wiser way. Just a couple verses later, verse 11, Proverbs 9, verse 11. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life, long life. And again, recognizing what the Proverbs are, this is a general statement, generally speaking. Yeah, one's life is not cut short because you've avoided that danger. You've avoided the foolish behavior. You've avoided all those things. 
And so, again, generally speaking, because those risky behaviors were, were avoided, you have this long life. That doesn't always happen that way. We know that sometimes we see historically that when a person devotes themselves to the righteous path and to God's righteous way, that could incur martyrdom and things like that. Again, there are exceptions, but here is the general rule. Because you avoided the risky and foolish behavior, uh, your, your life is extended. Jesus is the heir to this rich heritage of wisdom literature. So guess what he does? When he preaches uh, the longest sermon that we have recorded by him, uh, from him in Scripture, in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, what is called the Sermon on the Mount, guess what he does? He leans into that heritage. And as you come to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, we see Jesus present two ways. Jesus, by the way, as I mentioned about Solomon, second wisest man to ever walk the planet was Solomon. Jesus, the wisest man to ever walk the planet. Indeed, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we know also from the Proverbs that God is the source of all knowledge. God alone, the source of all knowledge. What we see Jesus doing here is, although they're not specifically described as the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness, it's there. It's, uh, it's in back of this. And indeed, the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness is nothing more than the way of life and the way of death. And that is what Jesus is setting before His disciples. Matthew chapter 7. Let's read verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Again, contrast here drawn out by these two ways. That's the first thing. There's two ways. There's, Jesus describes them here as the easy way and the hard way. And the easy way is a way. There's, there's no curb. There's no boundary. Uh, we're going to see here it's, it's wide, right? But there's no curb. There's no boundary for your conduct and for your thoughts and, and any of that. You see, everything in the easy way is driven by you. It's your desires. It's your affections. It's your loves, yourself. It's a very selfish path. And, of course, it's very easy to just look out for me, number one. This is contrasted with the hard way. The hard way is a way that it does have boundaries. The boundaries are set by God. God has established those boundaries. They're good boundaries because God has revealed them. And revealed truth limits what we believe. It limits how we conduct ourselves in this world. It's God's way that we walk. And it's hard because it is a way of self-denial. The very thing that, that Jesus is calling us to, self-denial. To deny self and follow Him. To deny self and follow the pathway of God. These two ways, they both have two gates. One gate is wide, one gate is narrow. And when it comes to the wide gate, guess what? All your baggage that you carry... Uh, it fits right through that gate. You can carry all that sinful pride and all those sins and all your own desires and, and all that baggage you can carry with you through the wide gate. But it's that narrow gate, that narrow gate that, 
it, you've got to turn sideways to get through it, and it presses in and snags at your clothing. And, and the only thing, you, you've got to leave all your baggage behind. The only thing that comes through is your humbled self. But then there's also two destinations. You see that wide gate with that easy way, Jesus says that actually leads to destruction. Sure, you do you, but it's not going to result in life. Because when you do you, guess what? You just end up taking, you, you, you just suck the life out of everyone else. And certainly you can have consequences in the here and now, but what Jesus seems to have in mind is the there and the then. You live life just for yourself, you get what you deserve at the end of life. And that is destruction. It is the second death. It is described elsewhere in Scripture. But the narrow gate with the hard way, that actually leads to life. Because that's the thing. This is a, a way that gives life to others. And again, it has consequences in the here and the now, but what Jesus seems to have in mind is the there and the then. That the life that is yours is eternal life with God because you sought to do things His way. And finally, there are two crowds. There are the many and there are the few. Many people love the wide gate and the easy way, but there are few people who actually find that narrow gate in the hard way and find life itself. It's very interesting. Um, you go back to Proverbs 22.3. We looked at and we saw the, the wise teaching there about the prudent and the simple. What's very interesting, and it may not come across fully in the English, but um, the words there, the word for prudent is in the singular form. So we could talk about, say, like the prudent one, the wise person. But the simple is in the plural form. And so we could talk about like simple or, or foolish people. Almost as if Solomon, through his observation of life, he saw most people, they, they engage in, in foolish behavior. They prefer folly, while wise people and wisdom is in short supply. I find it interesting that Jesus talks about the many and the few here as well, that many actually prefer the way of destruction, whereas few people choose life. Here are the two ways that are set before us. By the way, let me just say this, that when it comes to walking the good path, you do that by the strength that God supplies. You do it with the strength that He provides by the Holy Spirit in the inner person. This is something that we'll see when we look at Ephesians 3, the end of Ephesians 3 next week. But here are the two paths that are set before us the way of wisdom, the way of foolishness. The way of life, the way of death. And so I want you to hear the call of God in regards to this. This is Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, Choose life 
that you and your offspring may live. The way of life, the way of death have been set before you today. And here's the thing. I can't walk the path for you. I have enough trouble walking the path myself, all right? You have to choose. No one can make it for you. You have to choose. Which path will you choose? You hear God calling you, choose life. You hear Christ. He lays it out for you very plainly. There's no third way, no third option. And he's saying, enter the narrow gate. He's saying to you, choose life. Follow him through the narrow gate. Walk the hard way and have life eternal. But the choice is yours. Let's commit this to prayer. Lord God, help us to avoid foolishness. I guess first and foremost, Lord God, help us to identify the foolish way. Be able to see it clearly for what it is. And also help us to identify the wise way that you want us to walk in. And then, Father, enable us to choose the good path, to choose the path of life, and to follow hard after Jesus. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, no one can settle this matter for you except you. And the gospel calls you to choose. It calls you to repent, to renounce, turn away from foolish, sinful behavior, and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, to confess Him as Lord and that you want Him to have full say-so over everything that you do in this life. The gospel calls us to believe that Christ is exact, exactly who He claimed to be, that He is God's Son, and that He is the one, the only one who can truly teach us how to have life, how to live with God in this life, and how to enjoy God forever when this life is over. And Jesus Himself also calls us to be baptized, immersed in water, have all of our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, raised to live new life with God, with the Holy Spirit in us, helping us to do just that, to live life with God. Again, the gospel calls you to choose. God is calling you to choose. Christ is calling you to choose today. Who will you serve? In a moment, when Gene leads us, that's your opportunity. Uh, the invitation will be open. You come forward and express how you desire to follow Jesus in everything. We can help you with that this morning. Many of us, most of us, we've done that. As we hear the call of wisdom, maybe as you evaluate your own life, you see, hmm, too much folly. I've been doing foolish things, even outright sinful things. And I need the help that comes from God. I want to commit these things. I want to bring these things to the throne of grace and find His help in this time of need. And guess what? Our Father's of such a nature that He delights in helping His children. You know, when Gene leads us, that's your opportunity as well to come forward, express how you desire to do things the wise way. Indeed, coming forward, one of the wisest things you can do because you get the help that comes from God. You get the help that comes from your brothers and sisters as well. But that's what we're here for is to help one another on our journey to heaven. Maybe it's not related to stuff that we've talked about this morning, but there is something that is, is weighing upon your heart, your mind. It could be something uh, emotional or spiritual or, or physical, uh, what have you. 
well, the invitation is for you as well. And you can come forward and uh, share what's on your heart, and we'll surround you with love and lift you up in prayer to our Father in heaven. Maybe it's something of a personal nature and you want a private setting. One of our shepherds will meet you in the conference room. Make your way to the conference room, and our shepherd will meet you there. The same thing there that we do here. Surround you with love, lift you up in prayer to our Father in heaven. The lesson is yours. The invitation is open. Won't you come right now while we stand and as we sing?